Microphone check one two. This is the Pete Camarillo podcast. Psych, you know what it is. Touchdowns and tangents. I'm out here riding solo. Shout out to Kenny, wherever he is, out in the bay, living his best life, hopefully. But yeah, you know what it is. Same stuff. Train keeps moving. Touchdowns and tangents. Your usual Thursday night spot for NFL content, college football content, and conversations for the culture. But yeah, man, crazy week up here in the studio. First solo show. Got the Clipper game on, living my best life, and can't be more excited about it. Someone who is also living their best life in the NFL world. Shout out to Josh Gordon, man. Josh Gordon, for those of you who've been living under a rock today, made NFL news by announcing that he's going to step away from the game the game that he loves, the game that he's well compensated to play, the game that he has a major impact on every single down, he's going to step away from the game to get his mental health right. Now, for some of you who don't know who Josh Gordon is, well, he's become infamous over the past few seasons for being on the commissioner's exempt list, being suspended and all that stuff for, well what most of us Californians do on a daily basis, which is smoke a little weed. Yeah. For whatever reason, the NFL, of course, as always, is late. And, yeah, they're making NFL players suffer because they like to enjoy a little bit of medicine that the rest of the world also enjoys and if you're hearing the echo i apologize for that not sure why you know what it is just another day with a little bit more technical difficulties but i'll play through it as i always do nonetheless man josh gordon i mean it, it 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 takes a certain kind of person to walk away from a game that you love, that you prepare for all year long. And with all the mental illness stuff, all the mental health awareness going on right now across professional sports, it's really just a new part of the trend. But yet, the plot thickens. Turns out Josh Gordon actually got suspended for failing another drug test. So, as, you know, highly moral as it sounds that he stepped away from the game, I mean, really, he he was always going to have to. It really wasn't up to him. But, man, really hope that guy can get right because he's a great NFL player and it sucks that he can't play the game he loves for doing a little bit of chiefing. On that same note, shout out to Eric Reed. I know Kenny has some feelings on Eric Reed because dude has been tested for the seventh time in 11 months. As KB says, that's a form of blackballing. And it's really not right because he's disproportionately being targeted to fail a drug test. And guess what? He keeps passing them. He keeps playing at a high football level. 
and he can't be stopped or blackballed like Colin Kaepernick can. On that same note, if you haven't checked out Dude's Twitter, Instagram, you should because he's always going at the NFL. Beyond that, his Mike Cleats cause was actually really awesome. If you look at it, he actually had an artist do a complete tribute to the history of protesting with images of protesters basically saying, if not when, if not now, then when, if not me, then whom? And he brings up a valid point because Colin Kaepernick is forever going to be one of the black stains on the NFL shield, whatever that means. And the fact that Eric Reed is able to continue playing and continue having a platform that Colin Kaepernick has to sit and watch. Good for Eric Reed, man. Good for Eric Reed. And then, of course, as always, I got to get to the bad shit that always happens on the NFL, which is another player getting in trouble for doing something violent. This week's player is none other than Washington Deadskins safety, Monte Nicholson, which if you haven't seen the video, he pretty much did some shit that I would do to Kenny in real life. Nah, I'm just kidding, Kenny. Don't get mad. Kenny gonna get mad from that disrespect. But yeah, pretty much, you only catch about 30 seconds of the video. Shout out to TMZ as always, because they get all the damn video because they pay for it. But besides that. Pretty much, dude was being held back by his friends. He got into an altercation and pretty much slept some dude. He slept some dude and just kept hitting him. And then dude got back up. He slept him again, hit him like a light, and he went out like a light. And that was it. That was over. It was that It was that fast, that violent, and that scary. And honestly, it was pretty damn funny. But outside of that, man, it's nothing new in the NFL because we've been seeing that. We saw it with Kareem Hunt. We saw it with everyone else. Unfortunately, it just reinforces the whole stereotype that football players are violent. And honestly, I think Ray Rice really, really broke it down because Ray Rice, he kind of started this whole thing with his whole getting with his whole altercation with his fiance, who's now his wife. And pretty much they interviewed Ray Rice because all this stuff's going on. So it's a great news pay to bring Ray Rice from wherever he's been hiding, probably somewhere near Rutgers. But, yeah, besides all that, they called in Ray Rice and were like, you know, what do you make about all this whole situation with Kareem Hunt and stuff like that? And pretty much Ray Rice said there's some similarities there to what he went through, which is bullshit. But whatever, Ray Rice, make yourself relevant. One point, one good point that Ray Rice did make was I want to know what Kareem Hunt was going through. And I think it's true. I think I think it's true, especially as males, especially as masculine males. You know, we don't talk about our feelings and stuff like that. And to have that sort of rage inside of you, to have that sort of rage come out in an instant like that, in an instant caught on video, like there's a reason behind that, you know, as as as. Joe Button says people who've been through trauma do traumatic things. And it's not it's not to excuse it, but it's just to put it into context. 
And I think even if you met me and Kenny in person and see us as big dudes, you might be intimidated. But once you get to know us, you know, we're pretty, pretty cool people. But once shit pops off, there's just an inner demon that we can't necessarily control. Of course, we have to learn how to as, you know, responsible men and people. The difference is, you know, NFL players have a lot more prominence, a lot more money, a lot more situations presented to them where they're forced to deal with that same inner demon on a much larger scale with a lot more to lose. So, yeah, man, I know I'm talking a lot of off the cuff stuff, a lot of off the field things. But that's kind of what this show is, man. Touchdowns and Tangents. Shout out to the Good News Radio Station. Shout out to X-Squad Affiliates. Shout out to FBC Radio. Shout out to Speaker for getting their shit together. And shout out to your favorite podcast app where hopefully you're listening to this. And hopefully as soon as you're done, you're going to click review, like it, share it, and give it to your friends. But yeah, one more thing before I get to the Pro Bowl and hopefully get to a call from my boy Kenny live from the Bay is... Travis Scott, man. So I know I talked about Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick not too long ago, a few minutes ago. But on that same note, if you haven't been keeping up with the Super Bowl halftime show coming up, basically quite a few black artists have said, you know, we're not going to do the performance with Maroon 5 because, well, you're shunning Colin Kaepernick, who's standing up for a cause that affects all of our people. So we're not going to walk across that picket line and be scabs. Well, guess what? It's a lot of money, a lot of clout to perform at the Super Bowl. Someone's willing to walk across that line and be the scab. Well, this week's scab is none other than Travis, LaFlame, Scott, Jenner, Kardashian. Bruh. Let me set the record straight, man. I'm a big Travis Scott fan. I have been since I first saw him perform out in Santa Barbara with Absol and Schoolboy Q and Currency back in the day in Ty Dollar Sign. It was like a $20 show. My dead homie convinced me to throw up at work just to go to that $20 show. We got wasted, passed out in the car. Cops rolled us up, rolled up on us, gave us a warning. Hell of a story. Hell of a night. Hell of a memory. Literally jumped VIP to go see Travis Scott. Travis Scott was literally telling us to jump the VIP fence. And this is literally at a rodeo, like literally a rodeo arena. We're seeing these big name artists just moshing. Hell of a time. Whatever. Point is, I've been a Travis Scott fan since then. Seen him perform about five, six times. I love how he pushes the envelope. Shout out to my boy Omar. Shout out to my boy C's for also putting me on Travis. But yeah, man. Travis, Travis, Travis. If you're listening to this, it's too late, man. Between this beef with Kanye, your brother-in-law, you know, between you taking Drake's side on that whole beef when pretty much Kanye birthed you. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not on Kanye's side lately about anything, but just that overall kind of, you know, sub-beef that no one's really talking about it's kind of a lot when, one, you're kind of in the same family, and two, he kind of birthed you. 
Shout out to T.I., who his label he's on. The point is, now Travis Scott is going to be performing with Maroon 5 at the Super Bowl. And honestly, it's going to be good for clout. It's going to be good for people to see him perform live. But honestly, Travis Scott, you're not even going to like performing for five minutes with a bunch of white people who are staged to be there who are going to awkwardly sway to your music and not even going to mosh and enjoy it. So I don't know why you're doing that, first of all. Second of all, are you are you working on a, a collaboration tape with Adam Levine and Maroon 5? Like... I don't get I don't get what's going on there. I know Jay-Z has already been t- trying to talk him out of it. So are you willing to burn some of those relationships with Rihanna and Jay-Z and other people who've taken a stance against Colin Kaepernick just to get a little clout off the Super Bowl? Travis Scott, this is real Kardashian of you. Real Jenner of you. I mean, I get it. You got a new baby. You got food to feed. You got food to pay for, whatever. I get it all. But come on, bro. You can you can do another little tour for your actual fans, not people who have hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to the Super Bowl, but you know, twenty something year olds who can afford a twenty dollar ticket or a fifty dollar ticket who will take work off and go see you and mosh and actually enjoy you, instead of you know, white soccer moms who make guacamole dip and only watch Super Bowl for the halftime show. But yeah, Travis, I hope it's really worth it for you. I hope you get a bunch of new followers on Instagram and Twitter that make this whole selling out the culture worth it. And honestly, honestly, I loved your album. But in comparison to the rest of them, it was. And nobody really likes sicko mode except for white people. And yeah, you really didn't have to bring Drake back on the back end of Sickle Mode. We really forgot he was on that track. But yeah, man, so that's about it for all the off-field shit. Whoo! I'm running out of breath over here feeling all this dead air without Kenny going on tangents. So yeah, man, I know Kenny's out here blowing up the chat, talking shit about Nathan Peterman. Talking shit about TMZ, talking shit about Dragon Ball Z, and what else? Hey, man, shout out to Kenny for shouting out my homie Brandon. But yeah, Kenny, go ahead and give me a call if you're listening. Call in 323-900-0478. I know you got some shit to say about the Pro Bowl, so I would definitely want to hear that. Definitely also want to hear the shit you're going to say about the Louisville coach, you know, pretty much telling recruits to fuck off and all that other good stuff. Outside of that, man, I'll just get to the shit while I wait for him to call in. Pro Bowl snubs. If you haven't seen the Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl is really full of shit, man. Honestly, of course. I'm a Raiders stan. We all know that. That's not a secret. As much as I try to leave, they keep pulling me back. Shout out to Chingy, wherever you are. Hopefully, Ludacris didn't take all your bag. Hopefully, you still got a little bit, but who knows? Pete Camarillo Podcast. This is Pete. 
Caller, where are you from? <laughs> What's good, Kenny? Oh man, you you like didn't read ninety percent of the of the group chat. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, man. But um, I'll just start with great job on the Travis Scott slander. I'm proud of you. I don't think you had it in you. You you didn't think I could turn turn my back on one of my favorite artists? I mean, I've only slandered Drake and Kanye this year. 2018's been a lot for me. And Eminem at one point, too. You haven't said anything about Gold Lane. Or Wayne. I'm just glad Wayne shit came out. Yeah, you can't slander Wayne. He's been through too much. I'm just surprised that, like, I'm just waiting for something bad for Gold to get caught with cocaine and then all y'all to just turn on him. Come on, man. He lives in. He's from D.C. Like that's some realistic shit that will happen. That's fucked up. Are you in the gold league, bro? Yes, we've all heard gold like Name a random white girl who sings at raves and just mad auto tune, and you've heard a gold link song. Which, by the way, I'm pretty sure no one at the Super Bowl wants to hear auto tune, but we're good. Are Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure, considering. Do you remember when Bruno Mars was there? Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, it could be worse. I mean, Travis Scott could be doing a collab with the Who or some shit at the Super Bowl. That's disgusting. Neither <laughs> one of those people know who, who they are. <laughs> it's disgusting. That's worse than when Ashley Simpson got caught lip singing at the National at the Orange Bowl like 10, 15 years ago. Man, Ashley Simpson was my girl for a little bit. Huh? Ashley Simpson was my girl for a little bit. That was my sleeper when I was a kid. That's because Jessica just got plump and way too blonde. And then she made that tight end Eric Johnson out of Yale after he had like an 82 catch season. And everybody was off her. <laughs> and wasn't she with Romo for a bit? Nah, she was with Nick Lachey. She was with the popular member of Backstreet Boys. Not yeah, no, he was um new new kids on the yeah. block, I think. No, no ninety eight degrees, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same difference. Same I, shit. No, I'm I'm being facetious. Ninety eight degrees was never as big as uh they, they were Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys actually was almost as big as everything. But time will tell. People want to be fake and pretend like that didn't happen. That would have been error. Everyone was on it. Don't act like you weren't. Everybody was. It's like when I literally just watched a CNN documentary on the whole nineties. And how that whole thing kind of was like finessed and just kind of came together. And then they were like, oh, well, we should make two. And then NSYNC was born. Yeah. Mickey Mouse Club. I mean, technically, Britney Spears ruined Justin Timberlake's life. Kind of like she said, ruined all our lives. Wow. I'm pretty sure Justin Timberlake is making good on that by ruining everyone else's life. More like he's ruining his own music catalog because Man in the Woods was trash. Yeah, it really was. All right, man, get to the shit. The Pro Bowl, you've been talking shit all day, so I want to hear what you got to say. Cool. By the way, next time we see me, I got a new barber. <laughs> He's literally been talking about that all week. He wasn't even mad that it, the new barber's twice the price. It's 25, but it's worth it. Like, it's not worth it, 25. But, like, 
you know, it's, it's an emotional time right now. And uh, shout out to Marshawn Lynch for going to the Oakland City Hall meeting dressed like he's wearing basketball shorts, flip flops, a hoodie, and a backpack, and a beanie. Standard uh, East Oakland attire. Pretty much what he said is we already lost the Raiders. We're going to lose the Raiders. And the Warriors. We better not lose the A's. You feel me? That wasn't a problem. That wasn't a threat. That was a promise. You're going to lose three teams in one decade? That's going to be some fucking riots. West Oakland is gentrified. There's like nice little coffee shops and co-ops across the street from like the hood-ass West Oakland Barn Station where I got off the mega bus and I'm just like, oh, okay. But aren't you like partially happy that, you know, it's a little bit nicer no, and cleaner? No. no, my mom went to her childhood home and white people were living in it. So, I mean... They, let, do- they were actually nice. They let, her in the, they let her in the house and she's like, oh my God, I have so many memories here. And it's just like... It's sad. Like, they're keeping the neighborhoods but kicking all the people out. And then it's worse the further away you get from the stadium. Like, where the Oakland Tribune used to be, it's not even a... It's like a insurance building. Well, the Oakland Tribune doesn't exist anymore, so there's that. Yeah, it's the Oakland Times or the Bay Area Times, the East Bay Times, whatever it is now. Bay Area News Group. Totally lost that... Yeah, they lost that building. It's kind of sad. Maybe sad. I remember as a kid always being on that freeway. Right by or what is now Oracle. And seeing that. But the Raider Image store is there. And shout out to Citry Theaters. Because Citry Theaters is like the GOAT movie theater here in the Bay Area. And, um, but yeah. One thing that is evident is everyone down here hates the Raiders. <laughs> Well, can you see a scenario where everyone's a Charger fan up there or not? Because I don't see them being Niners fans. We would kill you for actually saying, if you said that out here, you would get snuffed. I think there would be more likely to be Chargers fans than Niners fans. No, everyone hates – some people like the Niners and some people don't, but – they also think the Niners are stupid for moving out of San Francisco and going to Santa Clara. So there's hatred towards the Niners. Which their turf is still crazy. shit. And it's a hot box. And it's a hot box. The way they set up the way they set up the entire field is like, oh yeah, you're gonna be uh cooked in an oven. And you know why people don't handle heat well. So guess who was buying most of those tickets? Guess who's getting probably skin cancer? Ding, ding, ding. Shout out to DeForest Buckner for having 11 sacks this year getting snubbed in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, man. So get to the Pro Bowl. Who else got snubbed? Oh, boy. Chris Jones. I think Chris Jones got snubbed. He had like, I think he had like 12 or 14 sacks. Um, TJ Mosley doesn't deserve to be in. Has like 91 tackles. And like, I think five passes defended for his rookie. And shout out to Obi from Cool Press Coverage. And shout out to him for his book. Uh, he rooted hard for HBCU South Carolina State player Darius Leonard. For Leonard, 
who literally is like the top, all-time leader in South Carolina State history in tackles. He leads the league with, with 146 tackles, has seven sacks, uh, a couple picks, a couple forced fumbles. Pretty much he fills up the stat sheet everywhere. And he has the Colts. Actually, the Colts are legitimately good defense. Haven't heard that since Bob Sanders. <laughs> um, Shout out to Bob. And they don't even have the pass rush that those Colts teams have. He is just everything for their defense. Didn't run the fastest 40, but still athletic and just a, a, a boss. He's a player out there. He has 20 more tackles than Luke Kuechly, hmm. who made the Pro Bowl. So I think Leonard, Leonard should definitely get uh, all pro consideration. Uh, I also don't think Jalen Ramsey should be a Pro Bowler. I really think the. How about Russell uh, Wilson? Shadavious White should have made it. How about he Russell Wilson? Aaron Ro- Russell Wilson's having the best season of his career, literally an MVP candidate. Probably the only reason why the Seahawks are even semi-relevant, and he's not in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. He's literally been a one-man well, show. Yeah. Andrew Luck has been better than Tom Brady. Yeah, that's for sure. That's Tom Brady's having... Voting for Tom Brady's for thrown the least amount of touchdowns and the most interceptions in his career. Like, because life comes at you fast. Running, yeah, it must suck to suck. Um, and I already lost my fantasy league, so it's whatever. Nobody I'll cares about your fantasy team. Anyway. I don't care, but I'm going to at least take a shot in my honor, Derek. Shout out to Wu. Uh, they said um, the sportscaster was like, the Cowboys have like six pro bowlers, but where were they in that loss to the Colts? Ha ha. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm slandering even from the Bay Area. Bruh. Nah, but honestly, receiver, honestly, Co- Cooper could have got in there, I feel like. Nah, he, had, he didn't have a thousand yards at this point. Adrian Peterson could actually be a, a legit ultimate. He's averaging 4.3 yards a carry, 7 touchdowns, 923 rushing yards. How about so, your boy Juju? Juju deserved it. Uh, big man. Actually, I'll get to that in a minute. But, um, yeah, Juju then. Christian Alvin McCaffrey. And, yeah, they both got snub, but it's not really a snub. It's more like the NFC has great running backs. I mean, at what point do we just, like, get rid of positions like the NBA and just, like, like, like bro, do we need a fullback on the Pro Bowl? Really don't. Like, do we need three tight ends? Anthony Sherman's great. Yeah, yeah, you do. Like, can we just have skill players? Like, can we just have, like, 12 skill players? Nah, because then they're going to find a way to mess those numbers up. I'm cool with three running backs. I'm cool with four wide receivers. I'm cool with two tight ends. Cool with one fullback. But I'm going to need... Um, Ten offensive linemen. Because <laughs> it was a joke. Like, both of the Teron Armstead, he got in uh, for the Saints, the left tackle, but the right tackle uh, didn't get in. And they've given up the least amount of sacks, 16. So I think Rodney got, Hudson should have got Rodney in. Rodney Hudson is the best center. Yeah, Rodney Hudson is the best center in football. Let's talk about he it. Got snubbed. He's literally been playing with rookie scrubs all year long and being the only anchor on that whole offensive line. 
they played with kidney stones last year. That's true. Played with kidney stones. Like, wasting his prime. He could have went anywhere, and he chose to go to the Raiders. I feel bad for him. He's one Florida State lineman I would never slander. Interior lineman I would never slander. But, yeah, you look at Alvin Kamara, he has, like, almost 800 rushing yards, 15 total touchdowns, 11 rushing touchdowns, like, five receiving. McCaffrey is, like, I think 14th in overall receiving yards. Jaquan's a beast. You know, there's not much room. Zeke is great. There's not much room. I mean, you got Gurley, too. That's three guys already. Nobody else was in the game. Um, How about Kareem Jackson? White. <clears throat> two, two picks, two forced fumbles, 80 tackles. As a corner safety hybrid? Nope. You know who deserves to get in? Who's got no respect? And the Raiders should have drafted him, but they don't like LSU players? Tredavious White. He's yeah, arguably well, put up all pro numbers. He should have got in last year, too. He got snuffed last yeah, year. And the bill, yeah, but I would, I would take out Eric Fisher and put in Mitchell Schwartz. Eric Fisher's not a pro bowler. I would just never recognize him as a good player. Just, it's not happening. Honestly, man, if... Honestly, low-key, low-key, I could see Derek Carr somehow finessing his way into the Pro Bowl again off some alternate yeah, shit like he has the past two seasons. Sadly, a bunch of cats get injured, but I think Andrew Luck should be there, not Tom Brady. Um, Mike Evans definitely got snubbed. Seven, he leads the league with like 17.9 yards a catch. 1,200 receiving yards, five touchdowns, 74 catches. What did you make of Philip Lindsay getting in there and James Conner? Some lesser-known names. Uh, James Conner did deserve it. I wouldn't have put in James Conner. He's been hurt. I mean, he took the league by storm. He was carrying the Steelers for, like, half the season. I mean, Philip Lindsay deserved it because he's the first undrafted player to make a Pro Bowl as a rookie. He earned it. And honestly, all the teams that passed on him are stupid, especially the Raiders. But, you know, I wrote this in my draft profile for a full press coverage. I mean, you know, maybe just maybe if, you know, the Raiders' talent scouting department actually know how to scout talent, then they wouldn't be like, oh, we missed out on these guys. We wouldn't be so talented because you can't tell me Phil Lindsay is better than Jalen Richard. And no reality is he better. And if you watched him in Colorado, you would know he was the best back on the conference at five seven. And five nine, whatever he is. The Raiders shouldn't have passed on him. But whatever. We like yeah. Jalen fumbling Richard. Hey man, so the the other topic I wanted to talk to you about was really, really, really on your beat. National Signing Day this past week. What did you make of the whole of pretty much everything? Uh, just just your initial reaction, and then I'll, I'll I'll go into some topics I specifically want to ask you about. One kid who was a three star recruit had one of his teammates who was like paraplegic. 
um, announced that he was going to Syracuse, and that was a really beautiful moment. Um, some of these kids, like the whole, like ever since I, even before I interviewed Jordan Wilmore and all those cats, and shout out to Lawndale High for winning a state Division Two A championship. Shout out to um, them. Everybody saying that the referees cheated him like most of the game, but in true Lionel fashion, we overcame the refs. And, and worst of all, they called their shot on this very podcast in this very studio with the, this very coast. And like they, like who thought they were going to win state? But there was no team better. Even you were skeptical when they said they were going to win state. I said, I was like, y'all like, gonna be Auburn? No, they didn't say. They were like CIF, and they were like. And we were, they were worried they didn't want to play a team like Modern Day. I'm like, honestly, Sierra Canyon was Division One A. They beat Sierra Canyon. The team that beat Sierra Canyon, I'm pretty sure, I don't think would have beat Lawndale. So arguably, you could say the best team in the state besides uh, Modern Day is Lawndale because they beat the team that was in the championship in the division above them. And Narbonne didn't even make it. So, you know, Jordan Wilmore, he didn't sign with USC just yet. Shout out to Sam Livingston, corner free safety. He signed with San Jose State. Uh, he's a part of their class, and he is graduating early. So, you know, clap for him. Standing ovation. That's your cue to hit the button, Pete. Hey. Hello? Hello, I hit the button for you. Shit. I can hear you. Trying to boss me around. Shut your ass up. Shut up with your, shut, shut up with your echo. But anyway, um, came, uh, here's an interesting one. Kavon Thibodeau, defensive end, out of Oaks Christian, by way of Dorsey. I don't know how USC let him. He went from Dorsey to... Oak Christian, and now he's going to Oregon. Oregon has like a top five recruiting class. They are not playing around. I think they were leading the Pac-12 when I checked it. On it's not even close. USC is like 24th overall. Ugh. Wilmore. Arizona State killed it. They got Caden Daniels out of Cajon, which is like Bakersfield. Excellent QB, excellent dual threat, fast. He's light and fast. Skinny frame, but fast with a big arm. He's going to give USC problems over the years. And as rushers, they got USC got Drake Jackson out of Corona Centennial. So, you know, there's that. They got some juice <laughs> They got Randall Goldfield's brother, who went to, who was a corner at UCLA. This dude was a linebacker at St. John Bosco. He's going to USC. They didn't really get a high-rated class, but, I mean, I really think they need to switch their defense back to a traditional 4-3 instead of that 3-4 Predator look, which is stupid because they haven't gotten anything out of their five-star guys. Jalen Phillips out of UCLA because um, of concussions and a bunch of injuries. Hey, shout-out to Andrew trying to defend USC's uh, recruiting class, saying early signing day doesn't count. Early signing day does count, and Alabama, Oregon got 18 of their 22 recruits to sign before signing day. But yeah, yeah man, let, let let me ask you specifically about the whole Louisville yeah, situation. 
right. One more second. There's a line there. Uh, Nasi Fahina, 6'1", Defensive end, defensive tackle, tight end, fullback, punter, did everything for Lawndale. No reason why that dude shouldn't have more offers. He's a monster. He could uh, he could probably fit in, honestly, as a defensive tackle at the next level. And he has, still has room to grow. And you and I both know, you don't get your growing man stripped to like 20, 21. Uh, Keon Pinkston. I don't know why teams aren't offering him. It's probably because he's six feet. All right. So are you done with with your your Lawndale standing minute? No, not not yet. Because uh, <laughs> they deserve like the seniors. Like hopefully they pick up um, they pick up a scholarship between now and the end of January. But most of like the top players in California, like Kyle Ford, top receiver, Chris Steele, top corner. He might go to Florida, but. A lot of them catchers just gonna wait after the under the Under Armour All America game. Wilmore, it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes. And Cliff Kingsbury, it's gonna be interesting to see how that offense looks. But yeah, um, there's a lot of craziness that happened on signing day. All right, man. So Louisville, like they had a whole change of the guard, and pretty much Appalachian State's head coach, yeah, uh, their head coach, and Elijah Drakewitz, who's so, an offensive coordinator. Boise State and quarterback went to a couple different spots, and now he's the head coach. But those two look alike. Appalachian State's old head coach, which is Louisville's new head coach, and Elijah Drinkwich, the new Appalachian State head coach, look exactly alike. It's creepy, and I'm not just saying it because they're white. Like ESPN did a whole story on it. So the whole, I guess there was a, a uh, what, like four star tackle or something like that, who pretty much. Who pretty much committed to Louisville, and pretty much the new coach was like, was like, hey, um, we're not going to offer you anymore. You don't fit with our scheme. So, do you think that that is doing a man a disservice, the kid a disservice, or is it doing him a favor? Um, in the olden days, I would say it's doing a huge disservice. Very, before the, the the early signing day, you yank a kid's scholarship in February, he's scrambling to get a look now. It's the financial aid, but it's a terrible thing to do to somebody. Yeah. But there's ways to take, because now he can never go back to that high school again. Yeah. He's burned. That high school said, don't ever bother coming here ever again. Yep. We'll never recruit to your school, which is what they should do. That's protecting the kid, because there's other ways. There's ways to make a kid Amen. commit without embarrassing him like that and taking his scholarship away. Acting like he's not good enough. He's foolish with our talent. Just saying, you know, you're not a fit with our scheme. Open up your recruitment. And, and you can tell everybody you decided to open up your recruitment. Like and, and if you're going to the ACC, more than likely you can probably get to another high-level D1 school. And honestly, I hope Appalachian State plays them and beats their ass. Which is a possibility because Appalachian Appalachian State has like the fifth highest winning percentage since they came to D1. And before they were D1, they were winning D2 national titles. Shout out to Armani Edwards. Um, Some belt. But yeah, Corey Lynch. But yeah, they uh, they just won their bowl game too a couple days ago. 
So, so how? They so, seven eighty four winning percentage over. They got a higher winning percentage than Georgia. So this coach knows how to win and develop talent. And and I think but he has to do a whole. He has to rip the DNA out of Louisville and start over. I don't blame him, but that's not the way you do it to a recruit. And but so I, 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 I rip the bandaid off. I think I think it helps him because he doesn't have to burn his redshirt year being somewhere where he's not wanted exactly. and he can go somewhere he's like wanted and get nur- nurtured that way versus, you know, going to Louisville and basically hating it, hating yeah, school, hating life, and then having to transfer and already being a red flag because he's a transfer and then having to do it all over again next year and get acclimated to a new program and new teammates, and it's just a lot and overwhelming. So, and yeah. When you're transferring from a crappy school, people look at you different. And I'm sure, like you said, he's not the only person going through this. So he just he just needs someone to to be there for him and show him that it's not the end of the world. Yeah, and also, I mean, it's great motivation. Exactly. Why would you want to go to Louisville anyway? <laughs> they're they're a dead program essentially. Go somewhere where you're actually wanted. The other and thing I, I was gonna I, say. I, I look at the Justin Fields situation. Huh? Go ahead. I don't. I don't know. Explain that situation. The Justin Fields situation. He was the number one overall player in the ESPN 300 recruiting class last year. Went to Georgia. He was from Kennesaw, Georgia. Chose to go to Georgia. Um, playing behind Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason transfers to Washington. He was a five-star QB. Jake Fromm is still the guy. He's going to be the guy. Fields doesn't want to wait. So, uh, some racist baseball players threatened. Justin Fields' life, and he could essentially apply for an NCAA waiver to play right away next year. Justin Fields stay from Georgia. There's literally people on the Georgia baseball team that threaten their life because they're doing really racist stuff. So he can transfer. I thought he should always go to LSU, to be honest, because there's no competition. Uh, Burrow's, uh, the Joe Burrow's uh, transfer from Ohio State his senior year next year, and then he's done. You could probably beat him out, honestly. All right, man. So, there's something else I wanted to ask you about. Florida, uh, they they I was watching ESPN two and they did a whole signing thing for Lakeview High School in Florida, where they pretty much got three of the, three of the top three hundred recruits from the same school. I want to ask you, man. Do do you think it's a good thing for players to stay in their home state? and to be with their same teammates, yeah. or do you think it's a bad thing? Yeah. And specifically in Florida, at Florida, because we know there's a history there. I think it's just an institutional problem. That's a party school. They're in Florida State. George going to have issues. Now, yeah. I think, like, Dylan Gabriel, he was a highly touted quarterback. He chose UCF over USC. So yeah. So, going to get more guys going – like, people are starting to realize that UCF, UCF low-key is kind of trash for not taking that two-for-one with Florida. Like, you can't say, oh, we're, we're, beneath, we're, we're beneath, we're, it's beneath us as a school to take those crappy two-for-one deals with Florida. I'm like, well, if you take them, you beat them at home, and then you, they come to your house and you beat them again. And that's how you prove they're the best team in Florida. I think they should have took that, um, and it's not going to help their situation. 
because they chose not to take that two for one before because Dan Mullen offered them the fade. They didn't want to take it. Um, now, when it comes to Florida recruiting, I would say you recruit to get the best players. Yeah, 100%. All right, man, is there anything else you want to say on college football? Yeah, um, these kids really need to realize it's a business. And 100%. Can only go somewhere. Like, I don't get why more five-star QBs don't. I would, if I was a five-star quarterback, I'm going to LSU. All I got to do is just fix the offense, be a better quarterback, and I have this NFL defense every year, so I'm picking LSU. I'm a blue chip QB. I'm picking LSU. I'm in the hunt every year. Yeah, but you gotta take. You reason, gotta face that whole SEC. So what? Everybody else does it. Texas, like everybody else. That's why they're losing to Texas A&M in a seven overtime game because they can't get an elite QB. And if you don't, if you don't have an elite QB, you're not gonna get elite receivers. That's their problem. They, their offense is broken. They get good running backs, but their offense is broken. They get good linemen. But, um, yeah. Hey, shout out to DeMarco Murray for uh, he's considering he might a. Be the, Arizona, the Arizona running back coach? Yeah, do you think he should take that job or what? I would take it. Why not? He's per- he'd be perfect. They got J.J. Taylor, a great running back. Do they have big running backs like there? Almost two. Nah, he's fast and small. That's what I'm saying. He had like almost 2,000 yards. He had almost 2,000 yards rushing last year. No, but I'm just saying because DeMarco Murray's a different type of style. No, he ran, he ran out of – he was in the Oklahoma offense. Exactly. So he's a big, tall, he fast, he physical runner. Yeah, but he can catch, he can do everything. And they have running backs who can do a little bit of everything. And Khalil Tate is coming back this senior year. So, there you go. Strong arm, elite athleticism, and you know what's his face, uh, Kevin Summers making him a better passer. So that's perfect. Demarco Murray becomes there. Like NFL players becoming head position coaches ain't bad. Like Antonio Pierce was, did a great job recruiting, and then put up an Instagram respect my decision. I'm going on vacation. <laughs> that was hilarious. I remember. Killing it recruiting, really turning Arizona State around. So, yeah, egg on my face. I thought that was going to be a bad hire, but clearly he's he's going, he's turning into an NFL program, which is good. His vision is coming together, and he has a great recruiter in Antonio Pierce, who was Long Beach Poly's head coach, and a Paramount High graduate. Shout out to my pops and his son plays. Yeah, his son plays safety for Boise State, DeAndre Pierce. Hmm, that's cool. What you say? Got a pretty decent class, too. Hey, Kenny, though, there's there's a couple things we have to address that are, are right up your alley that might make you upset. Go for it. First of all, Nathan Peter, Peter Peterman signed with the Oakland Raiders. So you want to unpack that real quick? He's just going to be a great practice squad player. He's going to throw a bunch of pick sixes to Gary on Conley. 
And shout out to John Gruden for saying he's a second. He, he was a second round pick and already made NFL starter. Because guess what? He hasn't been that. He literally has had a game where his QB rating was lower than if he would have spiked the ball every single play. Not to mention he's had games where he's literally throwing more pick sixes than touchdowns. And he's had games where he's literally come in and thrown three and four consecutive interceptions. He's not an NFL QB. And honestly, he was trash in college. That's why he moved around a bunch of places. Tennessee, he was at a couple different colleges. And honestly, I'm not mad at EJ Manuel for being snuffed. Honestly. Because the last time we saw EJ in Oakland, he was not bad. He played pretty good against Denver. Yeah, he did. And like I said, black QBs don't get second chances. They get position changes. Just like black coaches. They don't even get second. They barely get first chances, especially in college. And the and when they do get a second chance, it's usually a trash job like Denny Green and the Cardinals or Hugh Jackson with the Browns or Art Shell 2.0. Or your Ray Horton never get a job, period. <laughs> All right, man. Or you go down to college. This well, next thing. Shout out to Miami. Uh, that one thing. One last thing. Shout out to the University of Miami for totally tanking and recruiting. They're just terrible. One of their QBs just transferred. Luke Campbell, Uncle Luke is on Twitter slamming them like yo. Mark Rick is getting. They're losing recruits. They're not offering the best kids in the city. He's like, man, I brought them Amari Cooper, Devontae Freeman, a bunch of cats, and they didn't want none of them. And he had another kid so, yeah. that he was promoting too, at that time. Yeah, they honestly need to get. Yeah, they need to get. They need to get their alumni from the two thousands on on the trail, or on the coaching staff or something. That's the thing. They tried that with uh, what's his name? Um, Lindsey Fraser, not Lindsey Fraser. Uh, I think it's a black dude. But it was a black guy. I think it might have been Lindsey Fraser, but. Actually, no, it was uh, Randy Shannon. Alumni played on national championship teams, had their graduation rate the highest it's ever been, and they fired him. It was a successful event on the field. But, yeah, man, one thing I know that might make you happy or you might agree with. <sighs> um, What? Fuck, I always forget his name. Cam Jordan with the Saints? Oh yeah, that that clip made me laugh, a good hearty laugh. He pretty much he Pro Bowl rosters came out. He pretty much got into a little bit of an exchange with the beat reporter when he was asked about the Pro Bowler. Pretty much said Big Ben should not be a Pro Bowler. KB, he's in top five this decade. Yeah, and then he went on and said he's not top five, and they went back and forth, pretty much saying, "How could you say that when he has two Super Bowls?" All these stats. I take Eli over Big Ben, and I would too. But honestly, honestly, are you really taking Phillip Rivers over Big Ben? Yes. I'm not. Put Phillip Rivers on that. What has Phillip Rivers won except for that game where he should have won versus the Steelers with Sean Merriman and Sean Phillips and all them old-ass roided-up dudes. Uh, I think you're forgetting the Patriots game where Marlon Brazil got a pick and then got a behind. Isn't that the game I'm talking about? Isn't that the team I'm talking about? Yeah, 
No, nah, that was the Steelers. That was the Steelers. That was, the one I'm talking about was the Patriots game, the AFC title game, and NLT was just distraught on the sideline. Uh, I was talking about the one where they were where they were the the two seed and got bounced in the divisional playoffs. Nah. Oh, which like, year? Obviously, Big Ben. Big Ben forces the ball to the guys, and now he's forcing the ball to Juju and getting away from Antonio Bryant. Not Antonio Bryant, Antonio Brown. So I mean, like, when, like yeah, Big Ben has had a great career, but. He came into the league protected. He went 15 and one as a rookie on a team that was ready, ready, ready and made to go to the playoffs. All right, I mean, man. You can't even credit him for that first Super Bowl. The second one, yeah, you can give him credit for. But even then, if Craig Warner doesn't throw that pick on the goal line, it's a totally different game. No, that was the first one. No, that was the second one. The Cardinals. No, the second one was Green Bay. Super Bowl. No, that's the third one. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. They lost that one. My bad. They got beat badly. I was working that day. I was watching and laughing. I was like, go, Charles Wilson, get your ring. But, yeah. No, okay, so. When you think about it, Eli beat Tom Brady on the biggest stage twice. But Eli is trash right now, and that's tarnishing his reputation. Honestly, he should just retire. And the whole line is trash. He's not much better. Okay, but I still got to shoot a bell. It's not like he had a system set up in Pittsburgh where they only got like five head coaches. Let's see Eli Manning, Blake Bortles, and Nathan Peterman go through all those QB Pro Bowl drills. Bro, Eli beat Tom Brady. (laughs) I get it. Randy Moss. I get it. You can't, you can't like knock him for getting over the hump and owning Tom Brady forever and restoring dignity back to the Manning family. All right, man. I'm gonna bring You're everything full man. circle here, and then I'm gonna let you go. All right. So here it is. Yeah. Shout out to Drew Brees and A. A. Ron. He he literally went down the list. It was hilarious. Brees, Brady, A. 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 Ron. Uh, Philip Rivers, Eli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You already talked about it. I'm trying to move on. Are you ready? Hilarious. Yeah. Okay. So, since you are from Oakland, but you live in L.A., and now you're back in Oakland, <sighs> what do you think of Oakland native, current Ram, Marcus Peters, Basically, sunning a fan during the game on the sideline. I loved it. That's who he is. He's from a climate high school. That's where my mom went to high school. They yeah. played out there. Yeah, if you didn't see the video, some some fan was heckling him, and Marcus Peters pretty much got out and called him out. Until security got him. Yep. But yeah, man. I was like, yeah. I get it. I get it, but it's not really great for his image. Which is already Bro, unfairly tarnished. I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm from East Oakland. Do you think I care what people think of me? You do, but not really. A little bit, to an extent. To an extent. But do you think I care what a hater thinks of me? Uh, think about think about our sundial days and how I used to. Here I we go. The fact that you keep bringing this up is uh, evidence and. Uh, 
to counter your claim. But I digress. No. But I digress. I don't I even want to get into that. that. Next thing. Like, like, dog, he's from Oakland. What do you expect? I haven't seen Marshawn yeah, Lynch do that. Disrespect. Marshawn Lynch ain't done that on the fan. That's because Marshawn Lynch is happy to look me. If he get angry, you better call the National Guard. There's going to be problems. Somebody he with going to rile up. Marshawn is a happy-go-lucky cat until you get him angry. All right, man. Final note, pretty much. So, Amy Trask. Amy Trask, the godmother of the Raiders, um, former second-in-command, now current now current uh, CBS analysis and um, commissioner of the Big Three. So, shout out to her. One of the best follows on Twitter. Pretty much, they asked her about the Raiders potentially playing their last game in Oakland. And what they should do for the city. And you've already, you know, voiced your idea for what they should do for the final season. But she said, she said that they should reach out to all the different Raiders fans that are musicians, including Too Short and... She named a couple names I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, pretty much get an all-star... Celebrity cast and have and have a huge concert before the have a huge well first of all have a huge concert like outside the stadium tailgate and have a bunch of Raider legends out there and just have them out there just mingling with people shaking hands saying hello was good play the game and then after that. Again, just let all the play, all the fans go onto the field, mingle with current players, current coaches, like say what's good, and just really thank the city. And even though it might cost a lot of money to have that huge scale production in the concert, that the Raiders, if they're smart, would invest that and give it back to the community. Your thoughts? Yeah, they should, but they won't because the Raiders don't care about Oakland. Let me make that clear. They don't care about the city. Well, they're, they're, they're in an abusive relationship with the Bay Area. The city don't care about them either. And I mean the city, not the people. The rightfully, city. Rightfully so. No, the politicians, but the fans made the Raiders what they are. Oh, well, not even. Beyond that, the community made they the Raiders what they, they are. The culture yeah. made the Raiders what they are. The the Raiders are one of the few teams where their colors and logo and scheme are all based off this the elements of the city, the culture of the people. That's why the Raiders are silver and black. That was all intentional. But yeah, man, I I I think it's a great idea, and honestly, I think they should get Guy Ferrari to cook, and honestly, get Ice Cube involved somehow, and I'll pull up. But, yeah, man, I think Kenny dropped from the line. So, it's all good. I mean, we were at a stopping point. I'm sure he had some other shit he wanted to say. But, whatever. I did not hang up on him. Let the record show. I did not hang up on Kenny. His phone probably died. He probably ran out of minutes or some shit. I don't know. Not my bag. But, I'll move on. First of all, man, (sighs) there's some shit I got to talk about. 
Football analytics. For those of you who've listened to this podcast, you know I've had an ongoing saga with Pro Football Focus. And, well, I respect Pro Football Focus for the innovation they're bringing to football and the NFL. Well, we got to call it like it is. It's a f- another freaking opinion. And really, a lot of people just kind of use it as an echo chamber to what they already believe, myself included. Or they use it as a substitute to actually watching and breaking down film because it's much more convenient to look at charts and ratings than anything else. But really, if you look at them, especially their offensive and defensive lines, they're full of shit. Like, literally, they're terrible. But... Only you would call back at a na- after you already reached a natural stopping point. Yeah, my bad. My, my, my <laughs> bad. I dropped my phone. I was like, that's an awkward way to go out. All right, man. Well, so you might as well just go on your little minute rant since you already called back in. And oh. interrupted when I was getting to the shit about pro football focus. I don't know. I want to actually hear that. But first, yeah, turn your mind off. Um, yeah, man, just being in Oakland these past couple of days, the gentrification is really alarming. So uh, I would just say to everyone out there, man, whether you're in Oakland, whether you're in L.A., fight for the community you stay in and make sure you economically control it. Make sure you have money on the ground you can buy these politicians if they don't care about you. They they just don't. They'll build, you know, monuments and all this other stuff, but they'll kick all the people out. That actually makes the the city what it really is. Um, uh, I saw this. Uh, I just want to say, if I have to give up Lonzo Ball, uh, Brandon Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma for Anthony Davis, I'm doing it in a nanosecond. Don't at me. Um. Also, I want to say, yeah, man, this this is just a terrible season for the Raiders. This is probably this is probably rock bottom, honestly. And we'll look back on it in history and be like, Gruden ruined this franchise. But hey, it's kind of like the Thanos finger snap. We just had to happen. So, see what happens in Vegas. Other than that, man, wish y'all all happy holidays. Stay safe out there. It's crazy in the Bay. Some of the news that they're getting out here is like false LA news. Like the stories, it's, it's shocking. And like all the random people getting stabbed at train stations. It's insane they got out here. But yeah, that's I said. I will be back next week in studio. Deuces. All right, man. That was a good little bit. Shout out to you. Yeah, you know how to get my little hang off, but whatever. It's all good. Kenny probably won't try to catch my fade after that hang up. But he interrupted my pro football focus rant, so it's all good. (sighs) Pro football focus, where was I? Pretty much, 
what we're uh, what we're seeing and being a part of right now and the ringer actually did a piece on this which i know kenny hates the ringer but i don't care he's not here so the ringer pretty much broke it down we are in the start of what is the football analytics era we are finally at a point to where not only are nfl teams taking in a lot of data but they're actually learning how to break it down. And it's not so much access to the data. It's not so much keeping and tracking the data itself. It's figuring out how to analyze and break it down. So what does that mean? Well, for those of you who work in any sort of job where you have to deal with numbers, whether it's in media, whether it's accounting, anything like that, of course, you can take as many numbers as you want. But if you don't actually know what to do with those numbers, if you don't know how to actually break it down, how to analyze it, how to make something out of it, how to optimize and how to make yourself more efficient, whether that means making more money, more traffic or taking a logical conclusion from that data. Point is, it's useless. And that's where we are in the NFL. It's pretty much a race to see who can analyze the data the best and the fastest. Thus, we have services, including Pro Football Focus, which come in and consult certain NFL franchises, supposedly all 32, on how to not only break down players, but to analyze data. And honestly, they're full of shit. And that's kind of where the rub is because you have these old football heads who've been understanding and breaking down football pretty much their whole entire life who are used to turning out the nerds, the people, the data scientists, you know, sort of like that mo the movie The Moneyball. And that's kind of what's going on in football because for a long time, Moneyball happened in the 90s, right? So baseball has already kind of gone through that culture shock. They've adapted. Basketball has also gone under similar culture shock. They've adapted. And now, as always, football's reactionary. They're the last to do everything. So they're finally catching on. They're finally realizing that practicing and making players run 6,000 yards in practice is probably going to lead to that player breaking down. They're also finally trying to starting to realize that, hey, maybe instead of punting it, I don't know, you should hold on to the football. Or, well, if you call plays to the far side of the field, it makes it harder for the D-line to, you know, swap out, which increases your efficiency. Yeah, man, this is what I'm talking about. We're making million-dollar great conclusions from all this awesome data that we finally have. Because, really, what I'm really saying... Bruh. Bruh. Duh. All this shit is obvious, man. Like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that holding on to the football is going to increase your chances of winning. We've known that since we've been playing Madden and going for it on every day, fourth down. And you have to shake your homie's hand and say, hey, we're not going to go for it on every single fourth down. Like Madden literally made Madden rules to fight that because it would increase your chances of winning. Like 
that's what I'm saying is like, yeah, data's good. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I've worked with data. I've worked in advertising. Like, I'm all about ROI with my time, with everything that I do. I'm all about efficiency and optimization. Like, I'm trying to buy a car. So all I do is look at numbers. I love numbers. I have nothing against numbers. But what I do have against is people talking about data selling data as an answer when really they're just full of shit when really they're just used car sales people trying to bait and switch you because honestly it's a careful balance between the execution of football and understanding the chance for instance the article in the ringer broke it down as in the seattle seahawks decision to make that infamous pass instead of running the ball if you look at the analytics it says passing in that situation has a much higher chance of converting than running because the teams are expecting you to run. Duh. The rub was the play and the execution that the Seahawks made. The best thing they had gotten out of that play, and they ran it like 10 or 20 times during the season, was two yards. So that was their ceiling. That was not going to be better than two yards. And that's why they called it. But guess what? It was way worse than two yards. So the point I'm trying to make on all this data shit is like, yeah, it's great that the NFL is going through this whole kind of renaissance. But we got to be skeptical of it and question it because just because someone walks into a room and sounds smart and shows you a bunch of numbers doesn't mean they actually know what the fuck they're talking about. And that's why it's going to be a long time before we have people who both understand football, have played football, know and have studied the game of football their entire life, and also have an engineering degree and also understand complex sets of data and tables and how to break that down to not only not only build models and attribute things and break down all these different complex statistics but actually apply it to real life because we all know the nerds and the Steve Jobs and those people who can, you know, build great things and do great things with computers. But guess what? With every one of those guys, there's a Steve Ballmer. There's a salesperson who can communicate, who can translate that into real life. And that's where the real value is. And until we get that careful balance, we're not going to be successful because right now we kind of have just the pro football focus. Football Outsiders is good because they've been doing it for a really long time. But honestly, their goal was never to help teams. Their goal was to improve coverage and there's a couple other people data scientists on twitter you can follow who break down film who are finally starting to get respect but as i've said it's just a matter of balancing balancing the numbers and balancing the execution so that's my take on analytics next thing i want to get off sports betting bill yeah i know Sports betting, we've been talking about over the past couple of years. It's been a long time coming officially that the um, there's about eight states who've legalized sports gambling. And now the federal government, I believe it's Congress, is writing a bill which is called something like the Integrity Act. 
Sports Integrity Act, which basically says that the leagues will not make residual income off of any gambling, which, uh, conflict of interest. Sorry, Kenny. But yeah, man, I honestly don't really have a problem with Congress trying to set up some sort of bill that prevents leagues from exchanging money with sports betting. But I don't know if that's really going to be the issue. And I don't really know if that's going to prevent players and refs and coaches and individual stakeholders from actually taking money from individual, I don't know, bookies, houses, things like that, mobs, organized crime. I don't know. Which I think is more of where the risk lies than the actual changing hands of the money on the top end. So it's really a complicated issue because it's like, yeah, I get it. There's kind of some conflicts there, but at the same time, it is the NFL and NBA's product. So maybe they should get money off of it and actually do something good with it. And I know if Kenny were here, he would say that the NCAA should be doing that and using that as a a revenue source to give to players. I wouldn't necessarily say that, but if someone should get it, I guess it should be the players. Why not? Point is, this whole betting thing is a new frontier. So over the next few years, it's going to be something, an ongoing storyline, really a big storyline, because pretty much the way I look at it is the government's really just trying to protect the funds and the ends from them, because I'm pretty sure they're going to be getting some sort of tax off all this money changing hand. But I don't know why give that to the leagues. Why not just keep it for yourself? Why not just keep it for the taxpayers? I don't know. It's going to be an ongoing thing. Shout out to Andrew for also saying it's very early in the courts. Yes, I know. So we will see how that whole thing unfolds. But ultimately, it's going to have a big impact on the entire sports industry. So it's going to be definitely a storyline that I'm monitoring over the next few years. And lastly, man, I'm going to close out the show on this note. Mark Davis. Now, I've talked about Mark Davis. If you've been reading my stuff on full press coverage, shout out to Terry, shout out to all Malik, Ray, shout out to all of them. If you're not reading my stuff there, if you're not reading their stuff there, you are asleep. But Mark Davis, I've thought about this so hard. And honestly, when I break down Reggie McKenzie, when I think about Reggie McKenzie's lasting legacy, on the Oakland Raiders, it's going to be this. He left the franchise in a much better position than he got them. He left them with five first-round picks. He left them with $70 guaranteed cap space with potential to make another 100, get over 120 cap space based on different moves they can make by cutting these flexible contracts that he signed players to. So whoever goes in there, which, by the way, the Raiders don't expect to have anyone in there until probably after the draft, Probably after May, which, yeah, uh, John Gruden's going to be calling all the shots on the draft. Shocker. Point is, 
Reggie McKenzie pretty much took your beater 92 Ford Explorer and turned it into like a 2006 Toyota Camry, which is a pretty big step up. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, no one no one here is trying to, me especially, is not jumping out the bag to drive a Toyota Camry. No disrespect if you drive a Toyota Camry. But you know what I mean. Like, it's, it's a regular, basic thing. That's kind of where the Raiders are. But considering where they were before, considering they lost a lot of their legacy, culture, reputation, good or bad, when their late owner died, they needed a captain to steer the ship And that's pretty much what Reggie McKenzie did. So McKenzie's lasting legacy is going to be whatever the Raiders are moving forward, which falls into the hands of two people, Gruden, and even more, especially the Tommy Boy, bow cut wearing, yellow teeth, Hooters wings eating, Astro Van driving. I think he still drives Astro Van, whatever he drives. Mark Davis, once the laughing stock of the league, is now about to have a $2 billion stadium and a billion-dollar franchise with a long history, and he's going to be the sole shot caller. That's what Reggie McKenzie's legacy is going to be because for the past, what, six, seven years, he's been pretty much not only Mark Davis's personnel guy, second-in-command, calling the shots of the franchise, but basically a mentor i mean think about it think about any family business it's hard to learn from your dad it's hard to take your dad's business on period now imagine your dad being the the egotistical narcissist old man that was old and legendary man that was al davis i can imagine it was hard for mark davis to learn anything from al So he needed someone to fill that gap, and that was Reggie McKenzie. And he did that for six years. So Reggie McKenzie has left the Raiders at a good spot, and now it's pretty much Mark Davis's spot to fuck up. But yeah, beyond all that, I'm going to walk off by saying this. Mark Davis, stop talking about Amari Cooper. We get it, dude. Reggie McKenzie, he did the best he could. You wanted that trade? So now, don't be talking shit like you didn't want the trade and you're shocked and wish they would have got more. Moreover, just keep all 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 the Raiders players you traded. Like, I don't want to hear anything from Gruden about Khalil Mack anymore. I don't want to hear anything about Amari Cooper. And when they trade Derek Carr and when they cut Gabe Jackson and Kalichi Alsamili, I don't want to hear about those guys. Like, it's time to move on. You made your bed. It's time to lay in it. You you, you guys are these great personnel minds. So stick to your decisions. And finally, y'all boy, y'all boys, your L.A. Rams, Mr. Jared Goff. Kenny, laugh me out of this damn stadium when I said, I didn't even say it. All I did was not disagree with the fact that Jared Goff might be a system quarterback. And Kenny literally laughed me out of my chair. Well, guess what?
Jared Goff has looked like a system quarterback the last two games. And guess what? The Rams have choked the two NFC contenders. And they've lost to the only three teams that are really up there with them in the NFC. And a lot of people are saying Jared Goff might be a system quarterback. Because if you actually look at Jared Goff play, don't get me wrong. He's a decent athlete. He's got good arm strength. Like, he does his progression. He gets the ball out quick. But if you're watching him now in the Sean McVay days, a lot of his first reads are there. Like, he snaps the ball and his receiver's already open. He locks into him a lot like a quarterback I watch every Sunday, Derek Carr. And he's they're open. They're open because he has a great coach, a great scheme, and he has solid playmakers, great playmakers around him. So, of course, Jared Goff looks great. But now, when shit's not popping off, when his coach is making errors, when they're missing Cooper Cup, when things aren't going perfect, Todd Gurley's struggling again like he was under Jeff Fisher, what, two games ago? Point is, Jared Goff hasn't proven he can win them a game on his own. And until then, I'm going to be skeptical of the Rams, as I was from week one. And, yeah, you can look it up. Shout out to all the people I was talking to, man, even before the Saints game. I told you, the Rams are a great team. Don't get me wrong. They don't have any weaknesses. But they have yet to beat a team that's better than them. They've yet to roll through shit. And now they're going against the Hawk Bears lost. Super Bowl contending Eagles with their back against the wall, and they lost. And so they're... Right now, if the playoffs ended today, they'd be looking like that team that's going to get bounced on a Saturday night of a divisional playoffs, like 30-13. to 13. So, the Rams, they got to get their shit together. And luckily, they have two garbage time games coming up versus the Cardinals and the 49ers. But if they struggle, if either one of those teams is able to make their season by just making the Rams a little bit more insecure about themselves, L.A., you got to wake up, man. Y'all might be on the wrong bad wagon. Shout out to Marcellus Wiley for sharing out that meme. Wouldn't surprise me if Kenny walks in here with a Charger beanie next week. But, yeah, man, Rams got to get their shit together. I'm sure they will. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not slandering Jared Goff. You can look at my archive. After the Jeff Fisher era, I was one of the few people that said it was not time to give up on Jared Goff. You can check the archive on that. So, without further ado... I'm P.D. Camarillo. This has been Touchdowns and Tangents, my first solo edition. Shout out to Kenny for the call-in. Shout out to Andrew for being in the chat. And I guess I'll just get to my rant, but I don't need to mute anyone. Pretty much, man. It's crazy. Your horoscopes, your astrology, like, I don't I don't always believe in that stuff, but sometimes it's really crazy when things align. Like, earlier this month, I remember reading that this exact day would be a big day in my horoscope. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? Turns out, not only am I here having my first real solo podcast, which, if you followed my courage trajectory, once upon a time, as we've talked about the inception of this show, back in the day, I used to talk about the Raiders, like, on a solo podcast. It was about 20 minutes long. I would just talk about the Raiders headlines and it was kind of trash. Today might have been kind of trash. If you think that, I wouldn't blame you. 
But it's been a while since I've been in this booth alone, so I'm going through growing pains. But besides all that, point is, I've come a long way. I've gotten a lot better. I think Marcellus Wiley said it. Max Kellerman said it. And I've even said it when Kenny has come in here and sat by himself. Being your own radio show, being a one-man show, being a solo show, not having someone else beside you to talk to, to, to fill that air with, is a lot. It's a lot. It's hard. It's the hardest job. Which, by the way, man, shout out to Keith for doing it every single Monday here from the Good News Radio Station. And shout out to Kenny for actually doing it on his own as well. Point is, man, I'm just happy to be here. And honestly, I'm not going to lie. Like, I do appreciate having Kenny do this with every single week. Because for, you know, for reasons that Kenny can't, has, can't always control. Like, when we first started this show, we didn't even really have a set date of when we would do it. Sometimes it'd be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, it just really kind of depended on our schedules, mostly Kenny's. But since we've transitioned to the Good News radio station, I can honestly say Kenny's never been late. He always shows up here regardless of if he has work or not. And just having that sort of reliability as a co-host is something that I really enjoy. And the fact that I get to come on here and have a real conversation with him and some of my other friends is, is, is a glorious opportunity. And doing it solo, well, it's great. It's fun. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same without having that post-show laugh and conversation and being like, eh, today was a great show. Or, eh, today was okay. Or whatever, and just having that ride home, or having that hood Chinese after, or that drink, or whatever. That that's 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 what this podcast is great for. And even beyond that, some personal news. I got a big announcement coming up soon. I don't want to jinx it or fuck it up or get my conflict of interest fully out there just yet until it's official. But yeah, stay tuned for that. Also, man, hopefully all this car shit is coming to an end soon. If you've caught my Twitter one-offs, you'd know that this has been a really overwhelming process for me and has really affected my entire mental health. And I've really just been going through shit, mostly because I don't have a reliable car, because that's kind of what L.A. is. Like, you need to have a car to get around, which makes what Kenny does here every single week even more magnificent, because, dude, basically goes across the whole LA area on a bus, which is not easy. Which also makes great bus stop chronicles. So shout out to that. Can't wait to hear some Bart stop chronicles. So Kenny, get on that Bart, observe some shit, take some video, because I know there's crazy shit going on over there. There always is. And lastly, since I know I'm rambling this whole Kanye shit, man, I know Joe wouldn't do his bag about it, but yeah, I know I talked about it last week on the rant too, but I just wanted to say this, I wouldn't pass put it past Drake or Travis or Kanye or any of these dudes that all this shit is fabricated, all this shit is for clout, which would be mad ironic, mad stupid, and mad predictable. So if that is the case, man, hip-hop got to get their shit together and start being better 
because you guys are trying to play the game that the young kids are playing, but you're never going to play it as good as the young kids because the young kids grew up with it. And now you guys are just jealous and vulturing and trying to be SoundCloud rappers when you guys have Grammys and, you know, clout and movies and businesses and stuff like that. Like, you guys need to just grow up is what I'm saying. Like, all you guys. All of hip-hop, you middle-aged cats who are at the top of your game need to transition into old heads and stop trying to do what the young folk are doing. That's all I got to say on that note. So, touchdowns and tangents, man. I hope you're enjoying the holidays. I hope you're not being a Grinch out there in traffic like everybody else because the holidays are supposed to be a good time. And so, stop cutting people off and not letting people over like we're all in the same traffic you are we are all trying to get somewhere we're all trying to see our families so just be considerate and conscious man like like you don't have to celebrate christmas to do that but the fact that it is christmas season should make you more willing to do that that's all i gotta say man good news radio station fpc radio x squad affiliates all love shout out to all the podcasts apps distributors that fuck with us like it share it love it shout out to my boy Wu. he's gonna pull up next week he was gonna pull up today but decided to wait so we can get some video and photo of me and kenny because we need some updated shit but yeah man shout out to everyone who fucks with us touchdowns and tangents thanks thanks to kenny for calling in stay safe out in the bay don't get in trouble Clippers are beating the Mavs on this Thursday night. Because there's no Thursday night football. So hopefully you actually listen to this shit live. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.